Hello and welcome to Ad Creeps, the podcast where we dissect and correct the TV advertisements that raised us, phased us, and amazed us. I'm Al, and I'm here with my co-host, Courtney. Al, tell me a story. Oh, I got a real chunky one for you. Yeah, you, okay, you said you had four and a half pages of writing. I really, and you know what? Yeah. It's only the important stuff. <laughs> What's your sources like? My sources are actually not that bad. Oh, okay. Not that many. It is one one man who told you the story. Several, several uh, good articles. Ooh. And I'm really stoked because you said this is about a historic family? It, this is about an American dynasty. Oh, wow. I'm excited. And I'm about to spread it on you like chunky peanut butter. There is one American dynasty I have in my heart, and oh. I don't want to say it. Okay. Because I don't want to be like down if it isn't them and then also if it isn't them we'll get there uh, will we i mean i don't know what it is so <laughs> i hope so okay uh, let's go okay I'm so excited let's dive right in splish splash splish splash baby that's me diving into your pool oh <laughs> <laughs> today i want to take you Deep inside one of north america's most prominent family dynasties Ooh. no Not the 1981 drama starring John Forsyth and Joe Collins. (laughs) And not its 2017 reboot either. How was that? I don't know. I didn't watch it. (laughs) Me either. Was that Who Killed JR? Yeah. Yeah. Who Shot JR? Was it? Yeah. Dynasty? Dynasty? I don't know. Someone will tell us. Someone. Someone 70 years old will tell us. (laughs) I'm talking about five generations of political influence (gasps) and brand name recognition in the American marketplace. Oh. I, is it, no, I can't guess. I don't want to guess. I don't want to guess. Is it, wait, is it a sauce? A sauce? Yeah, is it a sauce? I guess you could use it as a sauce if you really needed to. A condiment. Mm, no. Okay. Mm. Okay, I'm still going to back up a little bit. You keep going. Okay. In the spring of 1868. That's a long time ago. At the age of 21. <gasps> Adolf. Herman Joseph Coors <laughs> left his native Prussia to pursue an American dream. First of all, the first Coors was Adolf Coors? Yeah. <laughs> and he was not alone, as you're about to find out. Oh, boy. <laughs> he just came with his whole family. Yeah. Well, no. No? Oh. <laughs> no, he came by himself. Oh, he came by himself. Okay. From Prussia. From Prussia. When I talk about Prussia in my history class, my kids just think it's Russia, only pretty. With, with, oh, I thought it was a, a Russia with a pop pussy. Whoa! Uh, I can't say that in grade 12. <laughs> It'd be all over me. Uh, this is marked as explicit for a reason. <laughs> he arrived in New York City as an undocumented stowaway. New York City! New York City! <laughs> the greatest city in the world! No, no, oh my god, oh my god! <laughs> No, Joey Peppers is still sleeping. Okay, he still he slumbers. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> beneath the city, <laughs> New York City. <laughs> so uh, Adolf Coors uh, arrived in New York City as an undocumented stowaway. A fact he was so ashamed of that he swore his family to silence, and they didn't speak on it until 1970, over a century later. That he was undocumented. Yeah. Like everyone, who wasn't who was documented back then? People were people were hopping on steamers left and right, and they were changing their last names. Like my family's last name was definitely not, you know, the thing that it is. The thing that it is. Mine, mine is. It. Oh, was it? Yeah. Both sides of my family changed it when they came over. Oh, did you know that we had a great great aunt on the Titanic? Oh, I didn't. Well, she didn't last very long. No. (laughs) But if she did survive, we would have been more American. Oh, okay. Because the rest of them came over, went to Canada. They're like, we're not going to New York. (laughs) Can't do it. It's not my greatest city in the world. It's Tirana. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) So after bumping from NYC to Chicago and finding work as a bricklayer, stonecutter, brewer, and fireman, (laughs) he eventually landed in Denver where he purchased the Golden City Tannery and converted it to a new name and purpose under his Americanized moniker, the Adolf Coors Golden Brewery. <laughs> you just changed the spelling. The go- oh, I see. What it was mean. K-U-H-R. No, C-O-O-R. Oh, okay. So that's where it changed. That's got where it, the, it, that it. was the change. Yes. 
According to Coastal Virginia Magazine, his was the only beer west of the Missouri River to win a medal at the Chicago World's Fair in 1893. We love that Chicago World's Fair. (laughs) That thing was a mess. Yep. When Prohibition began in 1916, he converted the brewery to produce malted milk, which Wikipedia told me is a type of gruel. <laughs> Wait, like malted malted milk. malted milk. Well, malted like milkshakes are good. Well, it's gruel. It's not gruel. Well, that's what Wikipedia said. They said it's thick. Gruel. It's, it's a thick. type of gruel. It's thick. Well, okay, is milkshake what a type constitutes of gruel? a gruel? Do you think like an oatmeal type situation? Well, malted milk is malted because of the the um, oh my god sort of wheat. I just thought they ground up whoppers. <laughs> you know, yeah, 1916. Adolf Coors is like, I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna buy the convenience store out of Whoppers. <laughs> I'm gonna pop these in the milk. We'll be right as rain. I didn't know where malt comes from, but that makes sense. Malt. It's malt. I, malt. It's malt. It's malt. Okay, I get it. Look, <laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> Oh, uh, he also began to mine clay and golden to produce porcelain and ceramics. The latter would eventually split off from the main business of brewing in a venture known as Coors Tech, formerly Coors Ceramics. Oh, wow. In 1923, he passed both businesses down to his son, Adolf Jr. Oh, no. And in 1920... 23. Okay. It's cutting it a little close. It's okay to it's be. A little close. It's cutting a little. It's a little close. It's just a little close. Oh my god! <laughs> and in 1929, he fell to his death from the window of his hotel room at the Cavalier Hotel in Virginia Beach. Oh my god! Thirteen years after his golden brew had been turned to sour milk by the moralists in the temperance movement, just four years before prohibition would be repealed. Was it an accident? Whether he died by suicide, murder, or accident was never concluded. Really? The coroner R.W. Woodhouse deemed an autopsy unnecessary. <gasps> it's those temperance bitches. <laughs> they might have been out to get the course. <laughs> They pushed him over. They pushed him right out. Interesting. There are sources that say the window was locked from the inside or from the outside. <laughs> For whichever one made it sound like he didn't do it. Probably from the outside. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. How you open a window? <laughs> Why would you? Come on. One of those Christian temperance ladies climbed, scaled the building. <laughs> Pulled him right out. <laughs> and then like King Kong climbed wow. to the top. Wow. We're breaking this story wide open. We this sure are. 1923 story. Oh, it's going to get modern. What? Well, yeah, they're still around. Yeah. <laughs> They they sure are here. <laughs> Dan Baum, author of the book Citizen Coors, <laughs> describes Adolf Coors, first of his name, as a cold, taciturn, deeply unpleasant, deeply unhappy guy. Oh. He passed that down, Baum says. <gasps> it's a very, very unhappy family. Oh, no. Well, I mean, yeah. if you had to be named, you know, you know. <laughs> the bad one. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe it's genetic. Uh, you know what? I think it might be. Oh, no. (laughs) His son, Adolf Jr., is probably the least interesting of the five generations we're discussing today. Five? I guess there's a lot of them. Yeah. They're still around. That's why it's chunky. That's why it's chunky. In 1934, a former state prohibition agent for Colorado named Paul Robert Lane and Clyde Culbertson, a former investigator for the Federal Dry Forces, conspired to kidnap the brewer's scion to the tune of $50,000. So they're they're they wanted to kidnap Adolf Jr. And this is after Prohibition it's ended, after, okay. a year after it ended. But you know what? Back then, they back were then, just kidnapping. People were just kidnapping. <laughs> there were so many. People were fucking kidnapping like it was going out of style. The Lindbergh baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Lindbergh baby. <laughs> we have her in the audience today. <laughs> Oh, yeah, they just, I guess that was just a quick way to make money, right? Oh, yeah, and everyone, it was 1933. It was like in the 60s when people were just hijacking planes. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh Uh-huh. And that was the thing to do. It was kidnapping was the cool grift. Oh, my God. That's so much work, though. It is a lot of work. You gotta have a fast car. You gotta have good, good grabby hands. Yeah, you gotta have a plan B if an accident happens. (laughs) Yeah, like the limber baby. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that baby may get it. (laughs) 
Uh, so Denver police learned of the plot, and Adolph Jr. volunteered to be kidnapped so what? the police could arrest the suspect. Don't trust the police to follow no, no, through no, no, with no, no, this. No, 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 no. But Lane was arrested on an auto theft charge, foiling the conspiracy in advance. Now, I want you to remember what I said about Adolph Jr., he was not a he was not a great guy. He was the least interesting of these five. Wait, oh, well, he didn't get kidnapped. So. Exactly. Okay. Well, then blase at mm. this. Now Adolf Coors III, here was a cat who really knew how to get okay. kidnapped. Now here, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to back up and say, at this point, it's probably it's too late for an Adolf. It's too late. <laughs> It's a little too late. Too late. You're not, you don't want to double down. But but he is he's now when you say kidnap, mm. are we talking about adult men getting kidnapped? Oh yeah, baby. Okay. So it's adult napped. Adult napped, yes. Much like Adolf Jr. also adult napped. Got it. Or attempted adult napping, my bad. Uh, still kidnapping now, huh? Yeah, yeah. Boy. Yeah, still doing it. On February 9th, 1960, Adolf Coors III disappeared on his way to work. <laughs> a milkman discovered his empty international harvester travel all on Turkey Creek Bridge near Morris in Colorado. <laughs> a clue. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Policeman. <laughs> I gave you all the clues. <laughs> According to the case files, the milkman found the car running with the radio on. He moved the car to the side of the road in order to make use of the bridge and found a reddish-brown stain on the bridge <gasps> and a hat on the riverbank below. Oh, no. The next day, Mary Coors, Adolph's wife, received a ransom note in the mail asking $500,000 for his safe release. Hey, Adolph Jr., what's it like to find out your son is worth ten times what you are? <laughs> Pretty bad, bitch. Well, I guess the company has grown, so they have a lot more money. Also inflation. Yeah, I mean, after the Great Depression, things really oh, yeah, took off. that's right, that's right. But what I, year is this? Uh, this is 1960. Oh, boy, yeah, you're... Well, maybe they're trying to take the name back in 1960. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> they're still kidnapping, they're, huh? Yeah, I, I know. It feels late for a it kidnapping, an late. adult kidnapping. <laughs> feels late. Look, if you pull a kid into a car, we get it. 1960s, they did that a lot. Yeah. Uh, but a full-grown man. A full-grown man. A full-grown man. The disappearance of Albert Coors III and his kidnapper was the largest FBI effort since... <gasps> Can you guess? It's D.B. Cooper? Nope. Limber baby. Yeah. Whoa! <laughs> She's back here, folks! She's back, baby! <laughs> In September of the same year, Adolf's skull was found in a remote area of the Rocky Mountains. Investigation turned up a likely suspect in Joseph Corbett Jr., an escaped convict from a California prison. Okay, so did they pay the ransom? Uh, I don't believe so. Okay, well, you don't pay a ransom. That's what you get. Or maybe they did. I I have no idea. Uh, so Joseph Corbett Jr. was, uh, spotted on October 29th in 1960, just six years, five months, and 19 days after my father was born on the other side of the Burrard Inlet. Yes, that's right. He was spotted and found in Vancouver, B.C. No way! Wow! Okay, so we made it up north. Yeah. Jeez. My dad's six and a half. He's up in North Van. This guy's getting pinched in Vancouver. (gasps) What if your dad was an accomplice? Absolutely possible. Yeah. It's a bad little <laughs> It's kid. that way, mister. <laughs> I know how to hide a skull. <laughs> Jesus. The, I just assume he got it, or you got it from him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, that's absolutely true. The kidnapping was the subject of the Forensic Files episode, Bitter Brew. What? What? <laughs> Welcome to the stage, folks. <gasps> Forensic Files. <laughs> This stage is about to get so crowded. Hey, all you murderitos out there, <laughs> all you murder ladies, you pop open your rosé. We're talking about forensic files. Boy, this seems too modern already. Yeah. It just because when you said he was like his car was on the side of the road, I was thinking like a, a Ford, like one of those little beep beep burr, burr. ones. Yeah. <laughs> nope. That was an international harvester. Wow. The Boy. most badass car line name ever. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think things are about to get more exciting or less exciting? Well, that was the biggest FBI investigation since Lindbergh, baby. So maybe there'll be another one? Is there any other kidnapping? No. Okay. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to get your pulse up without a kidnapping. (laughs) I can only get hard when we get into kidnapping. (laughs) Adult kidnapping. (laughs) Adult. I cannot stress this enough. Adult kidnapping. (laughs) 
Uh, okay, so Adolf III had been the CEO and chairman of the board of Coors Brewing Company, so they were going to need a new leader. Yeah. His brother William, the inventor of the aluminum can... What? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> he invented the... He invented the aluminum can? Mm-hmm. Like in 1960s? Uh, yeah, yeah, that. around uh, earlier than that, but he, 50s so or something. he worked at Coors Ceramics yeah. uh, with their third brother, Joseph. Were there bottles ceramic beforehand? How did you get the beer Well, out? they did glass bottles, right? Oh, Remember how people drink things bottles. out of glass bottles? Remember how most glass. bottles are glass by nature? Glass bottles. I was, okay, this is what I had in my head, that they were doing ceramics. I had like a ceramic jug. Like, <laughs> like moonshine. Yeah, like a moonshine jug. But then I couldn't think about like... Well, you can't reseal it, so you just break it. You break the top. <laughs> like a bubble tea. Yeah, like a bubble. Oh, yeah, like one of those things. Yeah. Oh. Oh, my God. Yeah, so <laughs> William, Adolf III's brother, invented the aluminum can. I want to know more about him. Well, that's the only interesting thing about him. Okay, well, he wasn't kidnapped, so we're going to move on. <laughs> he was doing excellent work, though. Okay. But the company would eventually fall to their, their other brother, Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, now, between the man who invented the aluminum can and Joseph, who do you think had a bigger effect on American history? Well, I'm going to say Joseph, because you said there was nothing else about William. It's true. Okay. Tell me about him. Let's talk about Joseph, of course, baby. Was he in, like, the Bay of Pigs or something? I'm going to tell you all about Okay. <laughs> in his Guardian obituary, his brother William, who he worked one foot away from for decades at Coors Ceramics, described his political leanings as a little bit right of Attila the Hun. Uh, uh, uh-oh. He was also known as the Daddy Warbucks of the Republican Party <laughs> and the man who bought Ronald Reagan the White House. Uh. <laughs> Welcome to the stage, Ronnie Reagan. Rest in peace. We're going to have to push the Lindbergh baby out of here. because <laughs> We okay. can't have both of you. Yeah, okay. Daddy Warbucks of the Republican Party. Isn't the Daddy Warbucks, wasn't that an Annie? Yeah. Wasn't he, like, generous with his money? Yeah. Okay. So As was just- Joseph Coors to the Republican Party. <laughs> so when we have this whole uh, uh, shenanigans, is Ronald Reagan like Annie in this situation? Yeah. In, in, okay. this, in this narrative, Ronald Reagan is Annie, and the sun will come up tomorrow. <laughs> in America. <laughs> oh, and Joseph Coors was also a founding member of the Heritage Foundation, the Washington think tank whose swollen feeded ranks fed directly into the Trump administration. He was also a union-busting fuck who managed to end a 1977 strike by decertifying the Colorado Brewers Union local chapter. Oh, God. I liked it better when these fuckers got kidnapped. <laughs> well, don't worry. This guy's dead. Oh, good. Uh, but he did do incomprehensible harm to Rest. American culture and life in piss the strike was preceded by a boycott starting in 1966 by various groups including the hispanic veterans organization american gi forum for the company's story discrimination against mexican americans by 1973 Mm. the boycott had grown to include members of the lgbt community as coors had become known for their homophobic practices oh no The, the queer community forged an alliance with local unions alan baird the president of the san francisco teamsters union partnered with an openly gay teamster and truck driver to organize a large scale boycott in the bay area Beard had helped coordinate the boycott from Harvey Milk. What? Which helped strengthen ties between the traditionally conservative Teamsters and the Bay Area gay community. Aww, building bridges. Yeah. Saying, fuck shitty beer. Fuck Coors. Fuck Coors. Many queer activists, including prolific documentarian and artist Tammy Gold, consider this boycott to potentially be one of the first major public demonstrations of the links between class and sexual identity in America. Wow. I was going to say thank you, Coors, but... Mm, no, no, fuck you, Coors. No, fuck hey. you, Coors. Fuck you. <laughs> Joseph Coors also hired a lawyer named James G. Watt to fight environmental constraints preventing the movement of toxic aluminum waste across state borders. Watt later became the Secretary of the Interior and hired Anne Gorsuch as the head of the EPA, where she did monumental damage. Oh, and she's Neil Gorsuch's mom. You know the Supreme Court one? Oh, boy. And my personal favorite and final factoid about... Joseph Coors. <laughs> he gave $65,000 directly to Oliver North to purchase a light cargo plane for the Contras. <laughs> so I wasn't too close. Or I wasn't too far away. When I made that be a pig joke. That put a little rocket in your pocket? I just, I just, I just had to up it a little bit. You had to crank it up. Oh, a couple. God, the Contras. He gave that money right to the Contras. <laughs> More like the Coors-tras. Why not? That's going to be our (laughs) t-shirt. 
we can't. Actually, we can't. We, we can't. Cannot. We can't. We can't. Boy. Boy. You ready? This is, is this the, this is the fourth guy. This is the fourth. We're getting on to the last one. He's more just sort of like a wacky bad actor. He's bad. <laughs> oh, Okay. Can I tell you something? Mm-hmm. I'm glad that I'm a Budweiser man. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get those Bud heavies, right? right? Right now. Oh, there's like the new thing is like Budweiser seltzer. Oh, I Bud know. Seltz? I don't. Is that? I don't know. Anything? Maybe for a walk me down. Maybe for a hold me close. <laughs> a walk me down and a hold me close. Ooh. Wow. Yeah, I'm... We're bud boys. We're bud boys all the way. Yeah. Until we figure out what's fucked up with them. <laughs> and then we'll move on to Bolson, Labatt, you get the drift. Look, here's the thing. Eventually we'll make it back to old Milwaukee. Oh, oh well. <laughs> Budweiser has made some theme parks. And that is where I spent a lot of my mm. childhood. In fact, I have a t-shirt right now, a vintage t-shirt, uh, about, with, uh, uh, uh Bush Gardens. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anheuser-Busch. Yeah, man. And it, with that said, we won't move on to Molson, because it is now Coors Molson or Molson Coors. Is it? Yep. Oh, they bought yeah. them in 2000. That's why the Molson Canadian five. factory is no longer in Vancouver. Yeah. Those sons of bitches. They took everything from us. <laughs> okay. But enough about Joseph Coors, a dead old shithead that had a yeah. massive hand in the current state of the world. Yeah. Let's talk about his comparatively less influential but still extant son, Pete Coors. Pete. I, hey, Pete. Pete. Just Pete. It's Pete. Not Peter. No. no. Well, well, Peter Pete Coors. Uh, Peter Pete. Pete is his middle name, actually. Yes. It was Adolf, but they kind of... Now it's Peter Peter. Oh, I got it. Um, pumpkin eater. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> Much like the rest of the Coors boys, except for their old Prussian grandpap. These Coors boys are out of control. Boy. Pete attended Phillips Exeter Academy, a New Hampshire <gasps> boarding school. I know it. Once attended by the sons of Abraham Lincoln and Ulysses S. Grant. Yeah, and it's featured in the very gay novel, A Separate Piece, Ooh. which is one of my favorite novels. When we read it, I used to live in New Hampshire when we read it, the gay allegory was not very clear. Oh. But it's about, but when I read it, no. In the class. Oh, in the class. When I read it a second time, like, oh, everyone's gay. Like, this is just about a friend who's obsessed with his, like, his best friend and is just oh, like, yeah. so gay. And anyway, that's the, the gay experience. That's the gay experience. And that's why I love Exeter, um, a place where I made out with my New Hampshire boyfriend. Fuck yeah. Yeah. It's gay as hell. <laughs> After a turn at the family alma mater, Cornell... He joined the Coors Empire and became vice chairman and CEO in 1993. Okay. But in 2004, he stepped down from these positions to follow his father's footsteps into the political arena. Oh, no. But Pete didn't want to be the puppet master. He no. wanted to be the puppet. Oh. So he ran for Senate. <laughs> I know that feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't want to run things. Just like... Just tell me what you You st- give me money. I'll vote how you want. Stick a hand up my butt and tell me what to do. <laughs> Done. Friend. He won the primary. Disp- in what state? Man. Colorado. Oh, Colorado. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, okay, they, their whole empire is in Colorado. Okay. So despite an ideological disagreement in which his opponent attacked Coors for providing benefits to the partners of gay and lesbian employees, Pete rebuffed this by re-emphasizing his opposition to same-sex marriage and stated that the company's pro-LGBT policies were good business separate from politics. Yeah, we got we to gotta, we gotta sell beers to the queers. Beers for queers, man. <laughs> you saw what they what they did to us with milk. We can't have yeah, that happen we again. We cannot. They are too too powerful. Yeah, they got the teamsters on their side. <laughs> As for the election itself, the November third, two thousand four issue of the Baltimore Sun described the outcome. On a tough night for Democrats nationwide, some small hope could be found in Colorado, where Democrat and former rancher Ken Zalazar narrowly defeated Beer Baron and Republican Pete Coors to win an open seat in the U.S. Senate. Beer Baron. Yes. That's what I want to be this summer. You want to be a Beer Baron? Yeah. I just want to drink a lot of beers. I think you should be a Beer Baron. Oh, boy. We ran a wonderful, clean, positive campaign, Coors said in his brief speech in Denver. 
I could no longer stay on the sidelines, and I'd be disappointed if I didn't give this effort and participate in the process. I will now go back to having the greatest job in America, running a beer company. (laughs) Coors, 58, had nearly universal name recognition, and though a political novice, he was an engaging campaigner whose frosty hair and rugged good looks played well in the television ads. Rugged good looks? But his association with his beer company did not always help him. TV ads noted that his company is the biggest polluter in a state where the environment is sacred. And then... There were the twins. And twins? (laughs) Is that chorus? No. That's... Is it? (laughs) Where do you think this is going, bud? Al? And twins? And twins? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the stage, the twins. (laughs) Friends. That's what I call my brand new chest. Yes. In the fall of 2001, Aaron Evanson and John Godsey were set with a monumental task by their advertising firm of Foot Cone and Belding. <laughs> what power? <laughs> Create an advertisement for a popular light beer that incorporated music and would appeal to the demographic of early to mid-20s men. Oh, it's us. It's us. <laughs> On a flight from Indianapolis to Chicago, Godsey brought up a song by Tom T. Hall that he had heard as a kid. It was a simple classic song from the Kentucky-born country singer with lyrics like, I love honest open smiles, kisses from a child, tomatoes on the vine, and onions. I love winners when they cry, losers when they try, music when it's good, and life, and I love you too. Oh, that's actually kind of nice. If you're not familiar with his work, Tom T. Hall was a prolific American musician who wrote the 1973 song, The Man Who Hated Freckles, which oh. ends by calling the white supremacists of the era stupid sons of bitches. Oh, Anyways, now armed with the musical basis of their ad pitch, Evanson and Godsey jumped to the most grueling task of their careers. Finding a word that rhymed with friends. Friends. Benz? Twins? No. (laughs) While they were technically not successful at that endeavor, (laughs) they backed themselves 100% on the eventual concept that they presented to their creative director. He hated it. Well, yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean, you should. Aaron Evanson convinced their boss, saying, You don't understand. This is the only good idea on the table. Proving once again that white guys truly can just say whatever to whoever and get what they want. We don't have any other ideas. This is all we have. This is all we you have. have to pay us. <laughs> it's the law. God, it's not the law. I would love to do that. Can you imagine? Could you imagine? Could all you I got. imagine? <laughs> Imagine where we were men <laughs> with really buck wild ideas. <laughs> the commercial they created called Love Songs used oh. the Tom T. Hall song as a starting point to move swiftly into the territory of Limp Biscuit. Did, whoop. Um, did, you, did they pay Tom T. Hall? They must have. They had to. They absolutely or must Or they didn't. It was 2001? Well, we changed the music, we changed the lyrics, it's not the same song. This is a fucking ship of Theseus, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Thank you. (sighs) So when they showed the final product, which starred sisters Diane and Elaine Klimazowski, to Leo Keeley, president of Coors, his response was emphatic. I've got one thing to say. What? Twins. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I I think you mean... Twins? <laughs> Lord, have mercy. See, here's the thing. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. If if people haven't heard or seen this commercial because they were born, you know, after this, they have no idea what we're talking about. No. I mean, it, yeah, it was in 2004, so that was a ways back. Okay. Yeah, it was a it was like 15 a years. It was 16 a years. Stone throws away. <laughs> The ad was popular with its target demographic, but it took less than a week for newspapers to use it against Pete Coors once he announced his campaign. Oh. They pointed out the obvious gap between the family values that Coors espoused (gasps) on the campaign trail and the glossy, beer-drenched vision of the Klimazowski twins that appeared on televisions nationwide bearing his family name. They were drenched in beer? I don't remember that. Well, everyone's drenched in beer in those. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Coors. I don't. Can you imagine? Coors. Can you imagine drenched in Coors? Coors. Ugh. Might as well be drenched in water. Well, it'd be better if you were drenched in water. <laughs> At least then you wouldn't be so sticky. Yeah. And stale. God. Ugh. As for Godsey and Evanson, they didn't really get what the big deal was. They had these two women who named it the most misogynistic ad of the year, Godsey said. 
I was like, really? I had to look up what misogynistic meant. <laughs> um, these women can vote. <laughs> So, so we're not doing anything wrong. Fine. They're fine. They're represent. They, they're um. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. Men are simple creatures. All we did was tap into that, Evanson said. It's a man cave of a love song, oh, no. Godsey said. So that's kind of how it was. It was in no way meant to be misogynistic. That was the furthest thing from my mind. We didn't mean. We didn't mean. I'm sorry if we offended you. <laughs> we didn't mean anything. Oh, no. It was just what would be funny. It was as if a guy loved these things and he sang about them. And he was kind of a meathead, you know? Hey, explain the joke. Please explain. Please explain it to me. Please tell me why it's funny. Why is this? What? Twins? Twins is funny? Why? What are you doing with the twins? What is, uh, what's happening with the are twins? Are they, what's going, what's, are you, are you, do you wanna, mm, together? The advertisement stopped airing in 2004, possibly due to political pressure on Coors Senate campaign. Ooh, wow. But it left the nation with one lingering question. And twins? <laughs> What's the deal with twins? A niche male fantasy spoken into public existence by the spokesbros at Coors Light, the sexualization of twin sisters stepped fully into the spotlight of the American cultural zeitgeist. Referenced oh on God. Saturday Night Live, used as a gag in countless summer blockbusters. Yes. Even legendary ghoul Hugh Hefner found twin girlfriends in Sandy and Mandy Bentley, followed years later by Christina and Carissa Shannon. Rest in piss, half. Fuck off forever. Now, wait, are you saying this commercial started that? The twins? Well, no, Ma Sandy and Mandy were a couple years before the commercial. Oh, okay. But I think, like, part of, it definitely fueled the vision of, like, twins, playboy lifestyle, like. I just don't, yeah, I don't get it. Like, mm -hmm. I just don't, it's just. I'm also confused. I'm very confused. So, why twins? The answer may actually confuse all of us. Yeah, Emmanlow.com, a love and sex blog that <laughs> oh, describes no. itself as the Emily Post of the modern bedroom. Oh my god. Asked three different cis men to explain the phenomenon. <laughs> Finally, someone asking cis men <laughs> those tough questions. Important questions. Boy. Matt, a straight married guy, said, This isn't a fantasy I ever really think about, but mm. when it's brought up, sure, hot twins sounds great. <laughs> I guess in this case, I think less about the fact that they're sisters as much as I'm thinking two identical hot girls catering to my every whim. Oh. What's better than that? Parentheses, besides hot triplets, of course. Oh, my dude, you could not satisfy <laughs> one woman if, if if we're talking about two women? That's a lot of, that's a lot of women. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I think at least two of them are getting bored. Yeah. <laughs> pulling out a Sudoku. <laughs> two out of two. <laughs> uh, Terrence, a gay committed guy, yeah. says, fantasizing about twins comes closer to winning the jackpot than it does to any implication of incest. What? Porn is not about authenticity, but when it comes to identical twins, well, that's about as authentic as you can get. Pretty exciting, what? no? What? It's it's incest, my dudes. It's just Terrence continues. I'd wager a very simplistic, non-incestuous dude two for the price of one calculation runs through guys' heads. And let's face it, whether it's lovely ladies, boxes of Captain Crunch, or a couple of airline tickets, two for one is an offer no one likes to pass up. I would like to sit Terrence down and watch him eat two entire boxes of Captain Crunch. Terrence, you've been disowned. <laughs> you are you're not on our team anymore. <laughs> Oh. And finally, uh, a straight single guy named Colin. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> said, I think for some men, having a set of twins is the American dream. An international friend once told me you can make anything American by just adding more. What? With this perceptive logic, a fantasy of one beautiful girl instantly becomes as epic as the untamed West, as landing on the moon, as the California gold rush, as soon as you add a second copy of the same girl. I think we all understand that most threesomes we fantasize about involve some enjoyable spectating of girl on girl. But when it comes to twins, the fantasy is strictly about us on them or vice versa. Oh, I think I get it now. They're seeing each other naked, but I think we can all get over that if it means living the life our forefathers fought for. It's a patriotic fantasy, really. <laughs> it's what America wants. <laughs> I think I get it now. Okay, yeah? I think. Okay, tell I me. Think, okay, so because you have to, you do have to mathematically put in the incestuous thing. Yes. Here's the thing. So if it's a threesome with two ladies and a guy, 
if they're sisters, then they're not going to do stuff together. It's just the attention's just on the guy. But if you have two non-twins, non-sisters, then they could be enjoying each other. Yeah. And, and eventually they would cut out the guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's the, that's the goal. I think that's it. That's, that's, the, <laughs> that's goal. the goal. <laughs> of any threesome. <laughs> so so the, with the, when the guy is like twins, it's two hot people whose attention squarely is on the guy. Yeah. And it, uh, there's like... I guess some sort of metaphorical blinders. I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I, look, I'm not going. I'm going. I'm not going further. We're backing away. We're backing away. This is the primordial ooze we're we're going through right now. So there you have it, folks. Boy, this is the perfect advertisement for Coors Light and the Coors Dynasty. Yes. After all, isn't the patriarch sorry patriotic fantasy doublespeak <laughs> of claiming to somehow sexualize twins without glorifying incest the same as Pete's insistence that his family company's pro LGBT policies aren't inherently political and don't <sighs> twins represent the same manifest destiny that gave joseph Coors carte blanche to fund the contras and pay reagan's way into the white house and isn't the american dream represented by fucking two identical women the very same as the spark that inspired the original adolf Coors to stow away on a ship out of prussia for a bright new world i want to kidnap the sad creeps in conclusion <laughs> fuck the man eat the rich solidarity with workers and twins <laughs> fucking fuck you Al <laughs> <laughs> oh it all started with a man named Adolf huh you have a good time like three of them <laughs> I love when you're like oh. oh I hope there weren't more Adolfs <laughs> there's two in the chamber there's just there's so many wow I actually cannot wait to see this commercial cause it is ingrained inside of it's me. a time capsule it, as an american it is tattooed in my soul Woohoo! so we're gonna watch this commercial there's a link uh on our podcast page if you want to watch it too and enjoy or don't <laughs> or don't you don't have to it's fine <laughs> we'll return after these messages i love Football on TV, shots of Gina Lee, hanging with my friends and twins. I think I time-traveled. You had an experience. I can see it all over you. I just, I think I time-traveled. I think I went <laughs> back to 2004. I came right right there and right back, and here I am. I went back to 2004. I wrote wow. several op-eds about Pete Coors. <laughs> Here's my question for you. Wow. What do you think America would look like if I time-traveled and stopped Adolf Coors the first from coming to America? I think it would just be a lot more Spuds McKenzie. Like, I just think... Yeah. I think Bud Light or Bud Budweiser would have... Dominated. Taken that whole... Yeah. ...thing. I mean, who knows where Reagan would have been. Oh, boy. Oh, God. <gasps> and the Contras if would be you, down one plane. If you assassinated the other Adolf... <laughs> Everyone's talking about the, the World War II guy, but we're talking about this guy. This guy. This Prussian motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> what could have been different? Okay, can we explain the commercial? Yes. I feel like I need to see it again because I was just in awe of it. Do you want to see it again? No, I can't. Okay. No, that's not, the rule is we can't. What, tell me some of the images that flashed before you. A lot of sweaty bodies. Yeah. Like a lot of sweaty bodies. And, uh, okay, so I love, oh, football on TV, mm -hmm. shots of Gina Lee, Hanging with my friends and twins. Mm, rhyme perfection. Yeah. Okay. So football and TV. Yeah. I, I love that you start off with football because mm -hmm. it is it, it's fucking Friday Night Lights. I'm in to win. Let's do it. The clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. The bald eagles are just shot straight into my veins, <laughs> and I'm right. Okay. Shots of Gina Lee. Uh, I don't. Yeah. It's she, she's, she's hot. hot. 
Um, she's probably a playboy. I would assume so. I don't. We weren't. Okay. And hanging with my friends. Hanging with my friends. There's a lot of people in that room. They're having a kager for sure. Yeah, and twins. And twins. And these are the the Klimazuski twins. who They're wearing the same clothing. And that's, like, part of it for people, I feel like. Yeah. Um, They went on to uh, do modeling work, to do acting work, and to also, um, I think they were also in the WWF. Oh, Mm -hmm. that's cool. Strong okay. girls. So second, uh, first of all, our, uh, uh, within these lyrics, there's a twang. There's a twang and because think, it's yeah. the tom. Yeah, the, the tom. tom. Uh, so second round, I love burritos at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. Parties that never end. Parties that never end. We're going back to the parties. Dogs who love cats. Do- I, that, I do like that. The cat part. did wink. Yeah. Uh-huh. But the dog wasn't friends with, anyway, my dog loved cats, Aww. so my dog was in there. It's true. And then Antoine. And, and. And twins. And twins. Um, it just felt good in my body. There, I feel like that commercial had a certain oh. type of um, girl in it that I think we were trained to believe by popular culture that were um, certified nasty girls. Oh, the nasty nasty. Yeah, the certified nasty yeah, girl. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like... I think they grew up to be the boss bitches. I think they did. The girl bosses. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Interesting, that evolution. Yeah. You know what? They're tired of being told what to do. Now they're in charge. <laughs> okay. And, and it's, there is a rock concert intersplice as well. Yes, and it is, it, uh, to me, it does have Limp Bizkit vibes. It does have Limp Bizkit. Now, you did show me a picture of Fred Durst of uh-huh. what he looks like currently. Fred Dad's. And it just, it ruined an illusion in my head. I'm so sorry. That he was... He doesn't have the hat on. He's forever 30. He doesn't have the... He's so blonde. I know. Well, he always had his red hat on. Anyway. And twans. And And, twans. And and it does say rock on. So it is, it is trying to capture the 20-year-old. And that's how you do it. That's how you do it, man. Look, for all these guys don't know anything about misogyny, <laughs> they nailed a beer commercial, and so, I guess those two things maybe go hand in hand? Well, hey, if Spuds McKenzie taught us anything, <laughs> is that... There's a better wow, way. It's a better way. Gosh. And this did this commercial run very long? You said it was kind of pulled because of the... Uh, yeah, I think it came around in 2002 and was pulled yeah. around 2004, so about two years. I don't know how I can... You, can, you don't think you can... I mean, are these things still no, relevant in no, 2021? definitely not. Here's You're, the thing. Okay, definitely not. What do we love? What do we love in 2021? Okay, what do we love on TV? I love <laughs> <laughs> the Great British Bake Off on TV. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> or, or, so, or, or something on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 who's, who's a hot person we, we're loving lately? Oh, um... I don't know. People are, the hot people exist. They do. Um, Look, I just came back from seeing the Jungle Cruise, so all I can think about is The Rock. Oh, The Rock. (laughs) I think we gotta bring him in. Yeah, The Rock's in there for sure. I would like The Rock. I would like The Rock to be, like, overtly sexual. I think we'd all like that. I don't think he is. I think he's too family. F- I, let's hire him. Let's get him covered in new cores. Let's, just pour- <laughs> let's spray wet, the motherfucker with wet cores. Wet t-shirt. Oh, yes. On The Rock? On The Rock? Because <laughs> he is the bisexual fantasy. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, and then, was it? Oh, hanging with my friends. Yeah. No, like, distantly well, hanging, hanging with, with my, my friends. friends. And it's just, like, a park... And you're six feet apart. And, well, (laughs) twins. Um, Okay, I got it. Okay. You know when you get a popsicle? (laughs) Yes! (laughs) I love a popsicle. And Scott. There's two of them. There's two of them. They're twins. twins. So it's just two people, and they're on either side, and they they break break it in half, and then they lick the lollipop. Six feet away. Six feet apart from one another. And twins. Twins. Yeah, okay, got that. Um, I love burritos at 4 a.m. I still do. That's, I mean, that's it. <laughs> but it's not in a diner. It is in at home and you're room. microwaving it and you look so sad. <laughs> uh, Zoom meetings that end. Yeah, I do love that. Uh, is it hanging with my friends again? No, it's it's uh it's uh dogs who like cats. Oh, we dogs 
Yeah, we can keep that. Yeah, we, yeah, just the yeah, same yeah. shot. Just the same exact uh, shot. Uh, that doesn't have to change. And then in Twins, uh, it's just Twix. We're partnering <laughs> with Twins. And Twix. <laughs> <laughs> We're partnering with Twix now. Now you can get a case of Bud Light, you get a free Twix in there, and the beer keeps it cold. <laughs> so it's not going to melt in this heat wave. Yeah, with the popsicle, too. That's it. And Twix. And Twix. <laughs> That's it. I love it. That's it. It's, you know what? It's flawless. It's flawless, and it does make me kind of feel bad but that's how we feel in 2020 <laughs> we feel bad this is an accurate representation of our lives oh i feel like a ghost came out of me <laughs> <laughs> like five ghosts well four wow. ghosts and one living man ugh, came out of me ugh. death is coming for you pete <laughs> yeah you're getting there pete <laughs> my man wow congratulations thank you that was a big old creep <laughs> that came out of us Boy, speaking of big old, ooh, how? I have a local ad for you. Ooh, what do you got for daddy? I got another contender. <gasps> no, for the hammer. You have down. a third hammer. <laughs> I have found a third hammer. <laughs> I can't believe it. Al, and this one, he's ready to party. <laughs> you ready for my local? I ad? gotta see this okay. hammer. Through the ages, mankind has suffered at their hands. Take this small check, or get nothing! Until a hero emerged who would take on many forms in his eternal quest to make them pay. I am the Hammer! Don't take that small check! Time to pay up! Kentucky Justice! I want to preface what I'm about to say yeah. by saying that I do work in the CG industry, okay. specifically the part in which we care about how much things cost. Yeah. And what I want to know is, how much did that fucking cost? Um, That was a Super Bowl ad, my dude. Wow. So that was <laughs> expensive. Where did the Kentucky uh, Hammer get that money? Well, from Isaac and Isaac, lawyer fund. So this is a third. This is a third hammer. This is a now, third hammer has entered the arena. If you've if you've just joined us, I mean, this is a hell of a podcast to start with. Yeah. Good, oh good, boy. Good episode. Um, we did have the Alabama hammer. Yes. We do enjoy this man, and then we had a I think Rochester, New York. Yes. Hammer. Yep. Uh, he Who was frankly unhinged yeah, in, in a great way. <laughs> now this is the Kentucky hammer, the K- Kentucky justice, and you got to see this ad. It is in our sources. It's very like tapping into like what Marvel's up to yeah. right now, yeah. and like a real like Thanos type villain. And uh, you know the hammer obviously is uh, very Thor inspired. Now the Kentucky hammer did have a mech. Yeah, he sure had a fucking mech, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry, Alabama Hammer. I'm sorry, Rochester, New York Hammer. Y'all getting stomped. This guy's got a mech, He's got a mech. You can't do anything to him. What are you going to do? Kick the giant metal foot? He's got a mech. He's got a mech. He's got a mech. My search search for the perfect hammer has... I don't think it's come to a close. No, we're we're always going to be searching for that newer, better hammer. As one does. Uh, but this hammer comes close. This hammer got me real close. <laughs> and that's not the only fucking ad he has. Like, there's a really? lot. Oh, my God. <sighs> it is a treasure trove. But is he, is he in a mech in those? No, this one I was only, the best one. I think I yeah. only care if he's in a mech. Yeah, that's why I've chose this one, my dude. You saying he's not in a mech in real life? Oh, no. He shows up to court in a fucking... <laughs> 
They hate it. The Kentucky fucking federal court, they fucking hate it. Oh, it's a real cruel angel's thesis, oh, huh? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, a third contender has entered the ring. And, and he big. And he big. And we're still searching. So if you know specifically, it's got to be a lawyer. Yeah. And it's and it cannot be from Alabama, Rochester, New York, or uh, Kentucky. And he goes by the hammer, or they, or she he goes by the hammer. Mm-hmm. We need we need it in our pool. We gotta we gotta collect all these hammers. And I think eventually, when we do eventually get off our butts and do do a Patreon, we will do a hammer v hammer v hammer. Oh v hammer. yes! <laughs> Can we roll them stats? Yeah. <laughs> We'll be doing a Hammer v. Hammer v. Hammer v. Hammer D&D podcast. (laughs) Where we'll be like a fucking meat grinder and you have to go through all three of them. Or they fight each other. Oh, or they fight each other. Hammerfest. Hammerfest. That's what our ad creeps first show is going to be. Hammerfest. (laughs) Hammerfest. Oh my god. Uh, If you do know of a hammer, um, you need to send it to us stat adcreeps at gmail.com. You can also contact us on Twitter at adcreeps or Instagram at adcreeps. We need more hammers. And also, if you have other uh, local ads that you had an impact on you or you just think are fun or interesting, send them our way. If they're not hammer-based, I guess we'll take them. We will take them. I guess. (laughs) Okay, is that it? Oh, wait. I gotta tell you something. Uh Uh-huh. This, okay, this ad creep was very good. I think good enough for maybe five stars. I think, yeah, I kind of feel like... I kind of feel like... Five generations of terrible men. Wow. Five stars. Give us a star for every cause you would kidnap or pay to have kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. For me, it's every single one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that it? That's it. Okay, until next time, we are... Signing, signing off. off. But first, a word for my spouse.